everyone. This is Trevor Lee, John, on the Modern Conservative Podcast. I appreciate everyone taking the time to listen today. Uh, this is the first time I've hosted for John on the show, and uh, it's going to be a little bit different than probably what you've been used to. And I want time to to speak and answer some questions that we have within our conservative community with a special guest today. Her name is Catherine. Catherine, thank you for joining us on the show. I'm glad to be here, Trevor. Uh, just to preface with everyone, uh, Catherine, I met at a event here in Utah with our state treasurer where we were talking about ESG scores, how that's affecting the different issues. And I saw you there, Catherine, and then we met at another event when you were coming out to vet and meet some of the different candidates running for different offices here in the uh, Davis County area. So the right off out of the gate, uh, I want people to know, and you can explain this, are a staunch conservative. Yes. And at the same time, you are also transgender. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So that brings me to a couple of questions I want to ask you. First off, uh, how long have you been transgender? Have you always known? Give us all kind of a little preface of your story here. Oh, gosh. I'll try and keep it brief. Um, I have been transgender my entire life. I was born this way. Um, I told my parents when I was about three years old, which would have been um, in the Nixon administration. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what got said or really what happened. It got buried for a long time. I had gender dysphoria through grade school. Um, but with puberty, it really boiled up to the top again. And um, my parents found out that I had been struggling with this for many years. And they took me to see a therapist in the Carter years. And um, so there wasn't a lot that you could do about it back then. Um, given being in conservative Utah, I really a pride thing. And there certainly wasn't an internet or any sort of LGBT scene or pride or anything really going on. Um, so I learned to hide it. And, um, but in, in high school during the Reagan years, I started transitioning and I grew my hair out and grew long fingernails and I changed up a little bit of how I dressed and and be a little bit more me, but without, you know, being too obvious and causing any sort of problems with a career or, um, family or friendships and that just had to really be in the closet a lot of the time. Um, but when I got to college, I um, met a girl and she helped me transition. And she taught me how to um, buy my whole wardrobe. And um, we would go out to dinner and stuff and go out shopping and go to movies and various things. And, um, and we got married and that. And so it wasn't until about seven years ago that I um, came out publicly and I started medical transition and I've had my birth certificate changed and corrected. And um, I've been living as myself for the last many, many years here. So that's kind of my story in brief. 
I, I, and what I think is fascinating, Catherine, about this is through all of this time, you know, one of the things that we hear is that anyone in the LGBTQ community or most of the people tend to all be very liberal. So what, what, what makes you a conservative? Have you always been conservative? Were you red pilled at some point? Kind of give us your background on some of your beliefs when it comes to being conservative and your history with that. Oh, sure. Well, there was um, the first huge transgender um, poll of America in 2015, and they're redoing the poll again this year. And uh, found in the 2015 poll was that 89% of transgender Americans were liberal or very liberal. And they found that 2% were conservative and 1% were very conservative. So when you figure that three, only 3% of transgender people in America consider themselves to be conservative, very conservative, then you, you can really see where that battle line is being drawn and why. And, you know, I go to Pride and I go and hang out at the Log Cabin Republican booth, the loneliest booth at Pride, and talk to them because nobody else is. And... It's it's a it's a difficult thing. Um, I've been my parents were conservative. I remember seeing Nixon's motorcade drive um, through my neighborhood um, when I was a little girl. I went and saw Reagan at a campaign event. I voted for Reagan. I consider myself to be a Goldwater Reagan Republican. I believe in the three legged stool of fiscal, social, and um, defense conservatism. Um, Really small government. I would love to do a Calvin Coolidge and cut the federal budget down to like one and a half trillion dollars with defense taking up like 900 billion of that and then shove everything that couldn't be privatized back to the states. That would be my dream. And so I voted Republican for most of my life um, until the Tea Party thing happened about 20 years ago. And in Utah, I went and stood in front of the federal building in the rain and protested against uh, Bennett and um, and Hatch and wanted them out. And I took my kids to the state capitol later to. demonstrate against Obamacare and federal spending and that going on. And I don't think I've voted Republican since because somewhere there, we lost a lot of those values of we got a lot of conservative people into Congress and we trying to get um, conservatives elected to president. And the conservatives in Congress just really couldn't got a really conservative president. And no, I don't consider Trump to be a conservative. And I didn't vote for him. And <laughs> but I'll tell you what happened is I was at a at an LGBT event a few years ago and Misty Snow was there from Utah who was running on the Democrat um, for a senator and she's transgender and some of her campaign people were there and they asked me about who I was voting for. And I said I was voting for Ted Cruz and their their minds just blew up. They're like, how can you vote for Ted Cruz? And I said, you know, 
if it's not going to matter which bathroom I go to, if this country's overrun by the Chinese or the Russians or our economy is in blown up in a recession, you know, <laughs> uh huh. You know, there are more important things in this country going on than which bathroom I use, which I, I always use the women's bathroom. But, you know, that you have to have your priorities. Um, so, yeah, they didn't like that. And then I and then when they found out I didn't support gay marriage, that really blew their minds because it's a bit ironic. Um, but, you know. I that's where I am is as in my political um, beliefs and I'm very socially conservative. I'm very fiscally conservative and I'm very defense conservative. Mm -hmm. And um, so those those are where my principles are at. And I I don't know, maybe I was born with them. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I think it's fantastic that you are conservative. I really do. I and I. I don't think, you know, I'm a Republican. I consider myself conservative. Most of the people who listen to this podcast are conservatives. Do you, do you think that they're like, so because you, you, you listed on, on a scale of prior, priorities, you know, in the conservative movement or in the Republican party with, you know, LGBTQ or transgenders, it tends to be a things of priority for us. Like we want to keep things as conservative as possible. And that includes in within the family unit. Do you think there's a place though, where we can take people like yourself? And I I think we can include you, but where do you think that this could stand in the list of priorities for the Republicans or the conservative part or conservative movement? Well, I, I might say I, I would agree with some that the whole transgender thing is just red meat and to drum up, um, involvement, you know, you're not going to get people, very many people to a a campaign event by, um, you know, talking about cutting the budget or lowering taxes anymore. And so right now this transgender thing is having its moment in history. It's 15 minutes of fame, which is going on for a long time. And it, in a way, appeals to conservative, um, cons- uh, traditional family values. Um, so, I mean, it kind of ties into that. So, I mean, it does not, it, but it really isn't one of the most important things going on in the country. I mean, we take a look at what's happened in Utah. We spent so much time over HB 11 when it was only affecting one girl. And, um, and the question there is, did it even really need to affect her? And so I became aware of this podcast a few weeks ago because, uh, Trevor, you made a little bit of news. And yeah. um, <laughs> yep. And um, so I, I started listening to, to some of the podcast. And, and as part of that, John said, well, listen to my November podcast. And so I did. I listened to the whole thing. And he talked about inclusion how we needed to have a tent to bring in all sorts of people. And he talked about how people didn't think that maybe he should be involved because, you know, he was Muslim or, and and that, and, and he wanted everybody in. And I thought, well, yeah, that's really great. And then I listened to his March program. We're up on HB 11 with uh, governor Cox. And he said something that was really interesting to me. He said, 
You cannot be a conservative if you believe that a three-year-old can be transgender and should transition. And I was like, well, that's really interesting because I do. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of transgender people do believe that and because we've been there. And, you know, I've, I've been living, I've been living with this for a very, very long time, way before it was trendy and cool, as, as they're saying today. And I know what it's like to be a kid with gender dysphoria. And I know what that's like. And I know what people say about it because I do read the comments. I'm conservative and I listen to talk radio. I'd start listening to Rush in 94 and listened to him for decades. I listened to Glenn Beck, to Laura Ingram, to Michael Savage, to... You name them, a pro G. Gordon Liddy was one of my favorites. I love that whole Watergate thing. Um, and, and I've listened to all of them. And I read all the conservative sites. Um, I'm on and Powerline and Red State and Town Hall and Federalist and stuff. And I see all the articles which are written about transgender and, and the comments. and. You know, the comments are really offensive. It's amazing anybody's conservative after you read the comments about us. You know, you really have to have strong principles to to still be here. And, you know, I read the comments and, you know, some of my favorites are like, you know, if you're confused about your gender, just look in your pants. Or, you know... If you and if you still don't know, you know, look at your DNA, um, sorts of things, or you know, transgender is just a mental illness, and and things like that. And you know, we are a party of science. You know, we're not the science deniers like like the liberals are. And you know, I agree a lot of, with that. You know, over global warming and stuff, but. I don't think Republicans are really the party of science when it comes to the transgender issue. Do you, do you think that, Catherine, is from a lack of, of knowledge uh, on the Republican side? Because like you said, I think we're the party of science. I think that we typically are the most well-informed, educated people on, on issues. But do you feel like us as Republicans and our conservatives, we, we lack understanding and knowledge on the issue of transgenderism? Yes. I've, I've read the books. I've read When Harry Gender. I've read uh, Irreversible Damage. I've read a whole bunch of them. And, you know, they all get it to a point. But what I find, this is true with everybody. And, you know, it's probably even true with myself. There's something about you know, what are the facts and stuff and ideology? People have an ideology. I'll give a quick example. It started 15 years ago with studying the book of Revelation because um, I really wanted to understand it. And so I own like 100 books from every religion out there who's ever done something about the book of Revelation. And, um, and as part of that, I wanted to learn how to read um, New Testament Greek so I could 
read stuff directly from the source instead of depending on everybody else. So I went to a website and I found one that was teaching that. And I was like, great. And they started and said, let's start off with John 1 verse 1, which is sort of basically in the beginning was God and the word was God and, and all of that. And all you Christians out there know what I'm talking going to the Greek and going through it. And basically, they were as they were translating the Greek, it was saying, well, there was a bunch of gods, and the word was one of the gods and stuff. And it was sort of like, wow, that's really Christianity. And they said, well, and, and what happened was they said, but Christianity is monotheism, so we have to go to the Greek and we have to apply our ideology to it to change the meaning of these in order to come up with what um, our belief system is. And I think we do a lot of the same thing today on the issue of transgender. People have ideas about it, and there's a lot of, I would say, confirmation bias of when we see studies that, uh, or read books that are along with what we believe, we go, I love this, this is great. But counters that, we go, oh, well, that's wrong. That's, that's fake news or whatever. And we dismiss it. And, you know, where's the truth in all of that? And I will say that I think both sides are in a propaganda campaign. Uh, there are two very strong ideologies. And I think people are pushing agendas a lot. But I think we can look at the science. and. You know, people on websites who are reading these stories, which are being funneled to them by conservatives, you know, I don't know how much time they've really spent looking into it or really um, out about it. You know, I think it's John Heindricher on Powerline who keeps saying, I've never met a transgender person before. And I keep wondering when he's actually going to do it. And I keep volunteering, but he doesn't call me. And um and we we get this stuff and we go, yeah, you know, DNA, you know, there's boys and girls, there's XX and there's XY chromosomes, right? You know, it's so simple. You either, you know, we all learned what gender have a penis, girls have a vagina. And that's really nice and everything. But, you know, maybe I can I can try something out. Trevor, I'm going to, you know, I'm not a Supreme Court justice nominee or a biologist, but I'll try and play one here on the podcast. Sure. Yeah, go for it. And I'm going to make you a doctor. Okay. Okay. Um, you have a, a woman come to you who's pregnant and she wants a genetic test for Down syndrome. Okay, so you take the test, you get the results back, and it's negative for Down syndrome. Good news. So you call her up and you tell her that good news, and you say, I also have here of the genetic results, the result of the sex chromosomes. And the result is that the sex chromosomes are XY. Okay, with all the knowledge you have, Trevor, what do you tell this couple they're having? I would say you tell them what the chromosomes say. And what is that? It's XY. They're having a girl or boy. I'm sorry. 
Okay, yeah, they're having a boy. X, Y are boys for all of those mm-hmm. who are listening. Okay, you have another couple come to you. Um, she's in labor. You deliver the baby. You're looking at the baby and you see the only thing between the baby's legs is a vagina and a small clitoris. There's no sign of a penis. There's no sign of testicles at all. You, with all the knowledge that you've got, you turn to this happy couple and you tell them they had a what? Girl. Right. Okay, you're two for two. Way to go. Okay, case number three. I lied to you. This couple is the same couple and that baby's the same baby. You're now the parent. Do you raise this baby as a boy or do you raise it as a girl? See, I think that's a tough question. Uh, how, well, and, and I guess my question to you on this thing, Catherine, to answer it or to try to hopefully help answer it is how often does this happen, do you think, or do we know? I don't, well, they say this sort of thing happens like one in 20,000 or 30,000, but do you really know? I mean, the only way we find out about these things is when we really have the time and money and interest to find out, you know, um, when a baby gets born and the doctor looks at it and goes, huh, those, that penis doesn't look quite right it's too short or there seems to also be a vagina or something and you have what is called ambiguous genitalia then you've got to actually do something right um because you've clearly got an intersex baby born and so you want to determine like what is the sex of this child is it really female or is it really male and so today you know Well, in the olden days, what they used to do is they had a ruler and they would measure. And if it was too long, if it was long enough, it was a penis. And if it was short enough, it was a clitoris. And if it was in the middle, they didn't know. (laughs) Really technical. Let me ask. And that does bring up another question, I would say, is, and and I think we've even talked about this briefly before, um, and I've had someone mention this to me, but if, if that's the case, shouldn't every person who's transgender be having this dilemma? Because I feel like most people who say they're transgender in this day and age don't have that. They're not born with, you know, an XY chromosome. And also at the same time, they don't. Well, okay. Let me, a, you know, you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Let me, let me just finish this first thought and okay. we'll talk about sort of transgender today and the non-binary. So, when, when there's ambiguous external genitalia, you're faced, with, you're faced with the decision to find out. And so usually what they do is they will do an ultrasound or an MRI to take a look inside to see what organs are inside and see what's going on there. And they will often do a genetic test to then determine whether it's XY or XX. Okay. And then with that, they then determine a sex. You know, they're only right 90% of the time. 10% of the time that they do all of that, 
the child grows up to identify with the other gender. So even knowing all of that, 10% of the time they're wrong. Okay, so taking a look at this baby, this is a real, I've got a, a link to the article, happened in Switzerland. The doctors then did the genetic test and determined that, yeah, it's, the baby is XY. And the reason you get boys with XY is because on the Y chromosome, there's an area called the sexual region of the Y chromosome, which is abbreviated SRY, um, which holds genes which are responsible for the male um, uh, sexualization pathway. And so that's what gets you a boy, because if you don't have that, by default, you get a girl. And we don't know everything about that pathway. We don't even know from my last reading what the first genes involved are, that there are genes ahead of the SRY area. And there are genes after the SRY area that um, are responsible for development. And what happened in this one case is they found out that the CBX2 gene on the 17th chromosome had a variant. And this variant had the effect of turning off the SRY gene. It's like it wasn't even there. So the baby developed fully as female. And eight years afterwards, the baby was identifying as female. So there are a lot of those different genes that affect the genitalia development. It's not even just the SRY. And there are um, boys who are born, and they later find out in life because they have somewhat small testicles and think, this is a family show, right? And... <laughs> I'm doing a horrible job. No, you explain, explain the anatomy of it. It's okay. You're fine. And, um, and so they, they've taken a look at these, at these boys. And what they find out is they are known as 46XX boys. And when they've investigated into it, um, yeah, they don't have a Y chromosome. Well, how did they develop as boys? 80% of the time, what they've found is that the SRY genes from the Y chromosome have trans been transported over to the X chromosome. So even though the baby is XX, they have genes from the Y chromosome present. So because those genes are there, they developed into a boy. Um, in those cases, usually the, I believe it's called the AZ2 region of the Y chromosome, which is involved with developing of the testicles and sperm and sperm fertility doesn't get transposed over to the X chromosome. So they're infertile because they're boys without the ability to generate sperm. The interesting thing is in 20% of those cases, there's no SRY genes. And in fact, they can't find any of the genes that are known to create boys in their genetics. Now, I find that re that's really fascinating because here are researchers going, we don't know. Here we have fully developed boys, which genetically seem to be girls, and we have no idea how they turned out to be boys. There is, some, we want to be the party of science, but we want to stop at like a sixth, seventh grade level. And so, so, so Catherine, if, if we can, how do we get to the point where 
if, for example, someone actually is transgender, like you were going to talk about here, versus people thinking they are but are not, because that that then gets to a whole slew of problems, right? And it affects, let's say, like you are for sure one hundred percent transgender and have had this in your life with the chromosomes, or they're not able to tell, but others they easily can't tell, right? Biological male, they now want to compete in female sports, et cetera. Where, well, where do we, how do we draw the line on this to, to, to get to well, the that, science of it? Well, that's, I mean, that gets into the key question there of like, are they really transgender or not? And, you know, back in the day, it was fairly pretty easy because, you know, it was only like three in a thousand. It was really rare that boys would step forward and say, you know, I've been a girl my whole life. And I'm telling you now, and it became a thing. And, you know, the, the other part of development is um, the brain. What most Republicans don't understand is that not only are the genitalia um, sexualized, but also the brain gets sexualized um, a few weeks later in utero. And so you literally do get girl and boy brain. And um, I know this because I had gender dysphoria all my life. And when I started hormones, two days later, after my testosterone had dropped and I had estrogen, the gender dysphoria completely went away. I haven't had it since. And I'm comfortable in my body. I have, gen- I have body conscious issues, but every woman does. But I don't have the gender dysphoria anyway. And I had no idea that this was going to happen. And so I know that there is something biological about me and, and the hormones in my system that my system wants female hormones for some reason. And I don't know why. And there's you know, could be lots of reasons. And that's the problem is there can be lots of reasons why somebody is transgender. Quick story. I have a friend and she was transgender. She identified as female, but she grew up male, went on an LDS church mission, went to BYU, got wife, got married, had children. And in her forties, she had blood in her stool. She went to the doctor, and after the test, they determined the source of the blood was she had a uterus and ovaries, and that she had started having her period in her 40s. And the blood only had one way to get out, which was through her colon. So there are lots of reasons why somebody could be transgender and never know the source of the reason of what happened with their genes, what happened with their hormones. There's mosaic, mosaicism, there's chimera, and all of these things that could contribute to it. So why is somebody transgender? Could be lots of different reasons. So that's where things were coming from, and it's biological and it's genetic. The problem is, I actually haven't forgotten your question. The problem is, is that after gay marriage, the transgender lobby really started to fight for the rights for transgender people. And to a point, I'm fine with that because, you know, I don't want to be fired for my job for being transgender. 
I don't want to be denied housing um, because I'm transgender. You know, I should have certain rights, you know, of anti-discrimination against those things as, as a person in society. And, and so that's fine. The problem is somewhere in there became this thing of going too far. But I think it was because of both extremism on both sides. When transgender bees started to become a thing and you had like the South Carolina bill for um, bathrooms and things like that, you suddenly got the family values conservatives up in arms of, well, you can't have boys going in bathrooms and and that sort of thing. And the war really started. And I think that's kind of where we're at is there's this war. And one side wants to make sure that everybody who's transgender can transition. And the other side is sort of like, no, we don't want anybody to transition because that's wrong. And that's where you kind of get the ideology into it. A lot of people's ideology comes from religion, which is God made man and woman. There's nothing different. God made you perfect the way you are. You just need to accept who you are and that sort of thing. And so let let me ask you this thing, Catherine, because I like I like where you're going with this. And this is, you know, people like, you know, John and I as conservatives. And this is where we we have the problem with it is. uh. Take, for example, Bruce Jenner at the time when he won the triathlon or when he, I can't remember what the event was that he competed in, but the basically it was like, there you go. Fittest man on earth. The guy who just dominated. I mean, he was, he was extremely good, extremely athletic and talented. But and, he was also you know, suffering the, gender dysphoria at the time. Correct. Yeah. So how do we make it? Because if he had transitioned and then turned into Caitlin before that and was competing with females. Do you think that's fair or that should happen? Or, or I guess the question is, is, and this is where we talk about HB 11 and why people are up in arms, is I think it's to a point where it can almost be cheating, where you have someone that has all of that testosterone, they biologically have all the male attributes that most females do not have. They could dominate at any type of sporting event that they want. So where, well, where do you draw the possibly. line with that and how do we, how do we fix that? I I will say they possibly could dominate. I mean, yes, if Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn when he was in his late teens, early 20s, however he was old, he was during the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like nothing he wouldn't dominate. Um, But the and this is where, yeah, the politics and the ideology and everything comes to a head because I. I have six daughters, you know, um, my friends, actually, my transgender friends um, think of me as a turf, uh, a transgender exclusionary radical feminist, um, <laughs> which, again, is ironic um, because I really care about women's rights. And I was reading on a turf website and the author and I can't find it, so I can't give credit for it said basically something to the effect of if you can't recognize women's rights, then you're just a man in a dress. And that's something I wholeheartedly believe in is one thing I have learned is a lot greater respect for 
the cis women of what they go through because I'm around them. I hear them. I go through a lot of the same things that they do in society. And I have just an ever-growing respect for our cis women. And how to balance those rights, because I also believe that trans women are women. And so trans women are not cis women. (laughs) There are biological differences. Um, But I consider us both women. But how do you balance the needs? And I think that cis women, you know, have higher rights through birth. I like to I like to liken it sort of to immigration. You know, you can be born an American and then you can be born somewhere else and want to come to America and become an American. But as Americans, we say, well, if you want to become an American, then this is what you have to do and why you can be here. And so you have to respect the rights of native born Americans and you can eventually become an American and be recognized and have the same rights as Americans, except you can't be president. Um, And that's and that sort of thing. And so I think we always as transgender people, we need to recognize the rights of cis women. And what what about, though? specifically Catherine, the biological differences, right? Like for example, and this is why well, let, me talk to, let me get to sports here. Okay, so, what, yeah, go ahead. so yes, we should as trans women, if you're going to be involved in sports and I have never heard of a woman say we're opposed to trans women compete, you know, being in sports with us. The problem is, is where it's competitive and that, And is it an advantage? Well, in a lot of cases, probably yes. There probably, though, are some trans girls who do not have a physical advantage because of their genetics of boys. You know, some boys are really short and scrawny, you know, and that. And probably really don't carry any advantage at all. But if you're an athletic boy in high school and then you trade over to being a girl, then yeah, you're going to bring a lot of stuff with you. You've been in the weight room. You've worked on your body to be athletic. You're going to have an advantage. And I don't support that. I li- Which is what I really liked about Utah's HB 11 is with the commission. Because it could go on an individual basis and go, does this person have an advantage in the sport that they want to participate in? And maybe they would have an advantage in one sport, but maybe other sports, they don't have an advantage. But be that as it may, they could go in and take a look at that and make on a case-by-case basis of that. Um, One of the interesting things is like there's a a trans girl in New Jersey called Rebecca, uh, I think it's Brusahoff or something like that. She transitioned when she was seven, eight years old. She's now 14, 15 years old. She's been playing on a field hockey team for years with other girls. And so she's about to go to high school if she's not already. You look at her, you hear her. She's a girl. She looks like a girl. She walks like a girl. She talks like a girl. She thinks like a girl. It's all there. But with our law here in Utah, you'd say, she has to go in the boys' locker room and play with the boys. Um, Well, that's just inviting disaster. 
I mean, it you just can't really do that. Well, here's, and, here's where I think the, the problem is, oh, Catherine, with that is, let's say this, uh, this girl does dominate and is really dominating. Do you not think that other parents who know the story and know that she trans- had transitioned aren't going to then use that as a reason why there is a dominating factor there? Well, the question, well, when did she transition? See, I'm, I but you think that even, even if you transition at an early age, then it, it's, it's okay then to play sports. Later? I, Cause, well, right, Cause this is a tough, tough, tough. Well, this goes tough. hand in hand with another law that's been trying to get its way through the Utah legislature is what, and which is going through legislatures all over the country is about medical transition. And you know, it's, that's a tough subject for conservatives. I, you know, I went around and listened to the candidates um, before the convention. And what I heard from my conservative candidates was parental rights. Parental rights are inviolate. You know, we're, we decide what happens with our children. And then I said, well, okay, this parent wants their kid to medically transition no they can't (laughs) and it's like oh conservatives suddenly discover how much they like authoritarianism when something doesn't fit with what they want if another but what but what about if it's harmful though right because the conservative argument isn't the authoritarianism it's the we want to protect the children And, and our our idea of it is that if they are going to transition, there are side effects if they decide they want to go back or they aren't actually transgender because a lot of young people don't. And you know this. It's a trend right now. So what if the parents are well, just going along with the is. trend and it could and it could inadversely affect the child, just like drinking, smoking, anything that is harmful to, to them under the age of 18, it's to protect them. And then when they're 18, they can go do what they want, right? Well, and there's... So, there's well it is i understand your argument with this though which is hey like if they're already transgender it can help them if they transition early but because of the way things are nowadays that's just we don't know because everyone's doing it and the spike should should actually be really looked into with how many kids are transitioning and it's kind of a fact right i mean buck angel he's a famous trans male been around for decades. I think he transitioned in the 80s, about the same time I did, but he came out publicly. And all my trans male friends um, worship him. I mean, he came to Salt Lake City a few years ago, and they were just drooling. They were so in awe of him. And he's interesting because he's getting invited by all the conservative books and shows and everything, and he's not really conservative. But his thing as a trans male is like, yeah, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are not really transgender who are doing this thing who are going to have regrets. And I agree. I read the book Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier, and I loved it. I think I agreed with 99% of everything she wrote in it, that there is this fad that's principally mostly happening with adolescent girls who are deciding that they don't want to be a girl anymore. But the interesting thing is from my observations and from what I read is they don't really want to be boys. 
This isn't a transgender thing. They are not trans. Trans means to cross. So crossing over for one gender to the other and cis means to stay on the same side. So they're not really transgender because they're not crossing over to be men. They just don't want to be girls. I mean, I've, I've met trans males and they want to be boys and they're manly and everything. And, and that's all great. But when I see these non-binary um, who want to go by they, them, which is fine. I can use their pronouns. That's great. And I love them and hang out with them. Um, but a lot of them are the sort of rapid onset gender dysphoria that's been talked about and which is highly contested. And I believe it because I've seen it. I've seen these kids at various LGBT events and they're different. They are not like the other transgender people I see. And I read their stories and I read about their regrets later. And I really feel hard for them, but I'm also upset at the whole um, transgender activists and the whole medical um, institution in schools, which are sort of promoting this thing and being very um, pushy on it and that. And I understand where that's coming from because it's a reaction against conservatives who are saying, you can't do that. Well, their reaction on the left is, that's mean, and we've got to save these kids. And at some point when it becomes the right saying nobody should transition because we don't believe in this, the left says, well, everybody should transition if they want to. In, in response, you're not going to limit this. And so we have to create an environment where there's no limits. You don't have gatekeeper therapists anymore. Because like when I started transitioning many years ago, I had to see a therapist for several months before I could get a letter to go to my OBGYN to start on hormones. And you had requirements like you had to live as your true self for like a year or more before you could have surgery. Now there are cases where kids, they go on the internet, they learn everything they need to say. And then sometimes they can go to doctors and not even say anything other than I'm transgender. And they all go, okay, here's some hormones. Mm -hmm. There's no in-depth um, testing and determining whether somebody is really transgender anymore. Now there are <laughs> therapists who do that. I'm sure out there, but there's a lot out there who don't. And so it's become a lot of stuff about self-identification of you just have to say you're transgender. And then it's like, okay, mm -hmm. because to me, it's a reaction against the right. Uh, right. If we, it's the agenda. It's the agenda, like you talked about. Right. And so in order to calm this down, you've got to have the right the conservatives come to a point and understand science and understand the, the issues in the situation and come to a point where they can say, okay, there are transgender people. Every one of these conservative books I've read have sort of said, yes, there's transgender people. <laughs> and we're not talking about them. Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about is all this other stuff going on, which a lot of it is the non-binary thing where 
I'm not fully female, I'm partially male, which, you know, we used to call these things sort of tomboy or femme, uh, femme girl or, and stuff like that. You know, boys who are more feminine, girls who are more boyish and that sort of thing. Right. And all of that has gotten lumped under transgender, which I don't agree with because it's not transgender. It's it's being non-binary. And I really wish they would go and grab another letter because it's really confusing because as conservatives, we don't really most conservatives don't understand the difference between man and address. Is it drag? Is it transvesticism? Is it transgender? Is it just the gender expression? I mean, how many celebrities in Hollywood do we see now rock of men walking the red carpet in a skirt or dress? Not because they're transgender, not because they're doing drag. They're just trying to be you know, um, sensational and get attention. Or maybe they actually like it. But they're not trying to be women. They're just trying to, you know, get press or whatever, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, and I have noticed that, too. There's a there's some people specifically who are very famous who've been doing that. And that's interesting. Yeah. You bring that up. So as conservatives, we don't know how to. um, Is that our two minute warning? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I told you I wouldn't be able to do this in a half hour. No. Dasser, you're doing great. I, in, in fact, um, we should we need we need to keep talking. But I, I really do appreciate you you getting on, and I like how you've tied a lot of this in here at the end because you're a conservative. I'm a conservative, and I think there's a place for everyone in our party. There really is, and we do agree on so much. Even the things we disagree on does not mean we can't be civil with each other. And I hope people realize that the party of conservatism or Republicans is the party of civility. Like we, we try to be as civil as we can with most people. And, and when, and when there's issues that aren't civil, it's because we don't seek it out and try to understand what's going on. And so I, I really appreciate you getting on and doing this and, and telling your story and helping to hopefully educate a lot more conservatives on some of these issues. And so we can come to hopefully an agreement and even hopefully build up our base in this this war that we're fighting right now, this political war. Well, I don't think that trans is going to add too much to the war, but we're not that many people. <laughs> but, but you know, though, you're you're trying to make a difference, Catherine, and I appreciate I, that because you still hold strong to most all of your conservative values. I I do. And I'm trying to educate conservatives because I don't think they're really getting the full story from the conservative press and pundits. And I'm just bringing it from my point of view as a transgender woman for a lot of years who is involved in these issues. And I try and research and learn as much as I can about these things and bringing it in. So anyway, I hope if anybody has questions, feel free to contact the show and they can forward them on to me. Yes. No. And I will, I'll make sure to do that as well. And so thank you everyone for listening to Catherine. Once again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate, appreciate you all listening to the modern conservative podcast. I think John will be back on the next episode. And uh, once again, I'm Trevor Lee. Uh, I'm running for representative uh, house district 16 here in Utah and uh, appreciate you all. Let me get on today and talk to you. Thank you. Thank you.